Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen. Finally have internet back, Brooks. That's why we haven't recorded. I think it's been a week and a half or so now. Uh, if you didn't hear about the tornado in Olive Branch, I lost power and internet for about a week. So we finally got it back Monday morning. So we are back in action. And Brooks, I want to start with uh, Memphis's new starting lineup. That's something that we haven't got to talk about yet. Uh, so through two games, uh, they've they've had the same starting lineup. Now that new starting lineup against Cincinnati, they can they had 50 of the 60 points for Memphis. So overall, what are your takeaways from the lineups? What do you like about the new starters for Memphis? Well, I mean, I like it in that it has given them somewhat of a scoring bump to start the game. But I don't necessarily think that that fixes all of the woes for this team. You know, it hasn't cut down on turnovers much. It hasn't drastically improved their shooting percentages much. So while I like it, I think it does – long-term help the Tigers. It helps develop guys. Starting Malcolm Dandridge is the long-term move. Uh, He is your best big at this time, Uh, especially long-term potential ceiling-wise. There's no question. So I like playing towards not only are we trying to win games now, but we want to prepare this team as much as possible come March. So that's the biggest thing that I like about what they've done. Yeah, and I actually did an article, uh, I believe it was two or three days before the USF game, and that was my number one lineup that I thought should be starting. Obviously, I don't uh, know nearly as much as these coaches do, but it's the lineup that they went with, Alex Lomax, Lester Quinones, DJ Precious, and Malcolm. And to me, the biggest strengths that it brings, uh, just off surface level, other than the obvious, you have you know a ton of size. I think it brings a ton of toughness, and that's Something that Penny wants to have on this team is toughness and defense. And with Malcolm and Alex now starting at the one and at the five, I think that you are at the you're the that's the most tough lineup you can have with those two guys. And especially what we saw from Malcolm against uh, against Cincinnati, because obviously he's going to have struggles coming back from an ACL and a meniscus. But that was really his breakout game. He's had a he's had a couple other moments when he's played well. But in that Cincinnati game, he was incredible. He was blocking shots. He was getting steals. He finally showed people that he can pass the ball, and everyone seemed to be shocked by that. I've been trying to tell everybody that for a year and a half now since I first started watching Malcolm in high school, that he is not just a a, a lunch pail, come to work, get rebounds type of guy. He is athletic. He can run the floor. He can pass the ball. He showed that against Cincinnati. And uh, Alex hasn't played as well the past couple games, but I think we, we obviously know what he can do. Uh, and then when you look at Lester, uh, hasn't been great since coming back from the hand injury uh, that you know he broke against Ole Miss. Wasn't great until that Cincinnati game. Went three of three from three. Looked extremely confident. And then same thing with DJ Jeffries. Ever since he left with the flu, missed the Georgia game. Uh, wasn't good at all against Wichita State or South Florida on the offensive end. And then he comes out against Cincinnati and is your leading scorer with 18. And then you have the obvious with Precious Achiwa. So when you look from top to bottom with the lineup, I think it it, it is their best lineup. 
optimally you want a guy like Damian Ball or Boogie Ellis to be in that starting lineup because of their potential, but they're just not playing up to it right now. So Penny made the right move. I know it wasn't an easy call to pull some of those guys, especially like I mentioned, Damian and Boogie, because that's you know that's two of your high-ranked guys that you brought in in that number one overall class. And they've shown flashes. I think that's probably the part that's the most frustrating to Penny and the staff is that they've shown flashes, uh, but they just, at this point, aren't good enough to be in the starting lineup, especially with the way that Alex and Lester are playing at the one and two. So, like I said, from top to bottom, I love the lineup, uh, especially with Malcolm in there because uh, Lance Thomas and Isaiah Maurice has have really been non-existent this year. You haven't gotten much out of your front court other than Precious Achiwa. So, to get Malcolm Dandridge out there playing the way that he has over the past couple games is huge. So, like I said, when I look at this lineup, uh, I love the toughness. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, they scored 50 of the 60 points against Cincinnati, which you do not want to see those numbers, obviously. You want your bench to be more involved. So, Brooks, who are you looking for You know, over the next few games to come off of that bench and to make more of an impact? Because regardless of how well this these starters play, this new starting lineup plays, they have to have more help off of the bench. Well, let me just go ahead and point out, later in this episode, we're going to be taking some questions from the uh, board topic that we posted, the 114 Tigers and 20 questions thread. And I think your your question right now, Christian, plays perfectly to one of them that I wanted to answer. Uh, Hoot9 asked, if you could choose one player on the team outside of Precious to play at his max potential, then who would it be? Um, I, I'm going to say a guy who has been playing well. Um, and I think that he makes a massive difference when he's playing well. And when he's not good, Memphis just plain and simple is not good. And that's DJ Jeffries. If there's a guy that can play at his max potential alongside Precious Achua, it's gotta be DJ Jeffries because he gives you instant scoring. He's so skilled he can go get a bucket. Um, you know, DJ is that guy. So, I, I, you know, I could say Lester because he's an elite level three-point shooter. He's the Tigers' best guy. He's five of seven in the last two games, averaging 13 points a game. But, I mean, I think that Lester is going to be what he is this year. So, I'm going to go with DJ Jeffries. That's the guy that Memphis needs to be extremely good. If he can average 15-plus for the rest of the year, this team is going to be hard to beat. And I think he can honestly do it relatively easily. I mean, we've seen DJ be a volume scorer and be able to score in bunches at times. And it's like, I think it's pretty obvious to anyone that's a Memphis fan or that routinely watches Memphis games is that when, when that light switch fully comes on, DJ Jeffries is going to be a problem. And he, and he showed that shooting four of 10 from three. I think you want to see him take more threes. I've been saying it all year. Uh, From watching him in high school, I know that he vastly improved three-point shooting his senior year, so he's very capable of doing that. He just has to take the shots. Even when you look uh, at the exhibition games and at uh, at the games earlier in the season, he was scoring 10 to 15 points a game, but he was not taking many shots. It was efficiency, which is great. You want you want a, a great scorer like DJ to be efficient, but at the same time, if, if you can make a bucket, if you can go get a bucket, take those shots. They have to have a guy that's willing to take those shots, and I think I think they're starting to get there with DJ Jeffries. But Brooks, as I mentioned, the the bench has been struggling. I mentioned a couple guys in Damian Ball and Boogie Ellis. 
that have been struggling. Uh, Tyler Harris played well against Wichita State and against South Florida, uh, but was really non-existent against Cincinnati. He had back-to-back 17-point games before that. Uh, so when you do look at the makeup of the bench and who they have uh, on the bench, who are, who are some of those guys that need to step up? You know, And obviously the Damians and the Boogies of the world, but what can they do? Is it is it just confidence that's holding them back at this point? You know, From everything you've seen this season, what is holding some of those very talented guys that Memphis is now bringing off the bench? What's holding them back at this point? Well, before we get to that, I do want to make one more point about DJ Jeffries, and it's something that nobody's really talked about. It's really interesting to look at his splits on home versus away. DJ Jeffries actually shoots the ball better from three away from the FedEx Forum. Uh, At the FedEx Forum, he's shooting about 38% from three. Away, 50%. Um, He's averaging lower numbers of points, but that's because, you know, some of the, the away stuff was during stretches that uh, he was not feeling well or was kind of taken away. Like the NC State game, he had a four-point performance. Um, Wichita State had a three-point performance. South Florida, three-point performance. So uh, I think you take those games out. And DJ Jeffrey seems to love going on the road. Um, he's, he's a big road player. So I think Memphis needs that with Tulsa this week on the road. That's a massive game. But on to your question, honestly, you know, I think those guys just need to come in and hit some shots. I think Memphis has shown defensively that they are an elite-level defensive team uh, pretty consistently across the board. They've had lapses. They've had moments where you're like, what are they doing? They give up the, you know, open threes. They close out a little slow sometimes. But overall, defensively, they're solid. So guys like Boogie Ellis, and like you said, confidence is key for a shooter. And I I think it's just only a matter of time before Boogie hits that shot. You can almost see the confidence drain out of him when he comes in the game and he misses that first shot. It's almost like he gets defeated. So I think it's only a matter of time until you see Boogie Ellis come in, hit that first shot, and then just the floodgates open. And from there, I think that freshman wall that he has hit uh, gets taken completely down. He's just got to get some confidence. And Damian Baugh is playing so out of control. He seemingly doesn't seem to know where he fits on this team. He he just he he almost seems like he's going through an identity crisis. Um, I think you know for guys like Damian Baugh, he just needs to come in and not hurt this team. You know, he needs to come in, know his role, distribute the ball, try to get guys involved, play very, very locked down defense, uh, try to avoid fouling. He has not been great at that this year. Uh, And then, you know, Tyler Harris, you just come in and within the flow of the offense, hit shots. Memphis needs guys who can hit shots more than anything right now just to get that offense going. So that's what I would say. Yeah, I think when you look at at Damian, because he has had some very good performances this year, especially when you look at the Tennessee game and what he's doing differently now than he did in that Tennessee game, like you said, he's just he's not he's not playing under control at all. Uh, Penny said it after the Cincinnati game. It's like he's always trying to hit a home run with a pass instead of making easier passes. So I think for him, it's really just settling down because he's proven that he can do it against top level competition. I mean, Tennessee. 
hasn't been great lately, but they were at full strength uh, when they played against Memphis, and uh, and Damian Ball had his best game of the year. So if he stops forcing things, uh, he's obviously best on the offensive end when he's able to get out and transition because he does have great court vision, and he can also get to the rim. So I think it's an easy fix for for both for all three of those guys, especially Tyler because Tyler really has played very well this season. I think for him, it's just the Cincinnati game was a case of just not being able to hit shots. Sometimes shooters don't hit shots. Uh, Boogie, like you said, as soon as he can come in and hit a couple buckets early in a game, I think he'll be fine and that confidence will kind of build back up. And then with Damian, it's just getting back under control. But Brooks, let's go ahead and take a break. And then on the other side, we will get back and we will talk about the Tulsa game, do a little preview of the Tulsa game, and then jump into some of those Q&A questions. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, Brooke. So Memphis will be taking on Tulsa on Wednesday in what at this point in the season is probably more of an important game than people would have thought when you looked at the schedule early in the season. Tulsa is currently tied for first in the American with uh, with Houston. So this is a big game for Memphis, an opportunity to, to jump back into first place potentially with a win. And it's not going to be easy. This Tulsa team is, is better than they – look on paper as far as roster talent goes they play well as a team they're well coached and they are nine and one at home this season so Brooks what does Memphis have to do to leave the Reynolds Center Wednesday night with a win over Tulsa well I think first of all Memphis needs to go in establish itself defensively you know I think that they can hold this Tulsa team uh, from a, a scoring perspective And another thing that Memphis does well that Tulsa does not do well, which is surprising because, um, you know, Memphis to start the year, they did not appear to, um, to be headed in this direction. But personally, I don't think Tulsa rebounds the ball very well. So Memphis, uh, has a high level of offensive rebounds, especially because of Precious Achua and his, uh, offensive rebounding percentage, uh, Malcolm Dangers is coming along. If Memphis can rebound the ball, uh, they're going to be very effective if they can do that and defend at a high level. Uh, Memphis leads in almost every category except for 
turning the ball over. Uh, Memphis just needs to get this turnover situation under control. Uh, from a statist- statistical perspective, Memphis is favored to win this game. Uh, I, th- I have not seen the line yet. Has it come out yet? Uh, I don't know. You keep going, and I'll uh, I'll let you know on that. All right. So I don't know what the line says, but you know, both ESPN's matchup predictor has Memphis winning this game. Kim Kim Palm has Memphis favored by two. I think overall, Memphis statistically should win this game. Um, but you just never know when you go on the road. I think uh, you know Memphis has to guard Brandon Rachel um, at a high level. He's six six. He's a, a junior guard uh, who you know Memphis is going to have to find somebody to match up well with him. I don't know if they're going to if they're going to go with Lester Quinones on him. If they're going to go bigger and go DJ Jeffries. So it'll be interesting to see who they stick on. Him mainly because Jariah Horn is also six seven, so you've got to you got to make some sense out of that. Martin's Igbanu, uh, they'll probably put uh, Precious or um, or Malcolm. whoever they've got it sent. Yeah, Malcolm or Lance or whoever they've got in at the time on him. So I think Memphis just taking care of their own self. They've got to go in. They've got to establish themselves defensively. And they've got to rebound the ball because even if you travel on the road, those are two things that translate. If your if your shots aren't falling, if you know if DJ's not shooting the ball well, if Lester's not shooting the ball well, if Boogie and Tyler and uh, Damian continue their struggles, if shots just aren't falling, those are the only things that translate. Those are the only two givens that you can control. So I think that's what they got to do, plain and simple. Yeah, I think the thing that Penny obviously talked the most about in the press conference on Monday was the zone defense that Tulsa runs, and he went over it in detail, uh, basically discussing how they trap coming off the floor, running a 1-2-1-1, and then when they get past the half court, either switch to a 3-2 or a 2-3, depending on matchups and and who's out there. Uh, And with a young team like this, I mean, we've seen Memphis this season struggle against zone defenses at times, especially zone defenses that are disciplined. Uh, which is what Tulsa is. So I think for Memphis, things are going to take care of themselves on the defensive end. Memphis has established himself as a very, very good and elite defensive team. So I don't think there are many teams that can come in and bully Memphis uh, when Memphis is on the defensive end of the floor. So I think regardless, Memphis is going to play a good defensive game. Uh, they're probably going to limit Tulsa as far as scoring opportunity goes. I mean, we've seen it all season. There's nothing to suggest that Tulsa is going to have some incredible, successful offensive game against Memphis. Uh, but if Tulsa is able to force tur- turnovers, which Memphis has been susceptible to all year, averaging 17.2 turnovers per game, uh, which becomes even more prevalent against a zone defense when a defense is trying to fill up lanes and clog passing lanes. Uh, if Memphis isn't disciplined on the offensive end of the floor and they turn the ball over, then they're definitely in jeopardy of losing this game. They can't come out and have 18 to 23 turnovers like we've seen them have at times. Uh, it, we've seen that completely kill the flow of the game for them. When you're turning the ball over that much, uh, you honestly can't get any rhythm on the offensive end of the floor, and that's something that Memphis is going to have to overcome within the next couple of months. They have to figure things out on the offensive end. They're too talented. Uh, there are too many good offensive pieces on this team to not be good on the offensive end of the floor. So could this be a turning point game for them? Absolutely. I think if they come out 
they play well against his own defense that Tulsa employs, and they have a big offensive game. I think it could switch things. Uh, but when you look on the flip end of that, if they come out and do what they've done often, you know, on the road and at home this year, and turn the ball over and start slow and and struggle on the offensive end of the floor to find a rhythm. Uh, Tulsa is no pushover. Tulsa is a good team. I mean, they they could definitely end up beating Memphis in this game. It could end up looking a lot like the Wichita State game if Memphis plays the same way they did in that game. So I think for Memphis, you want to come out. You want to set the tone early. Uh, you want to prove that you're going to be patient with his zone defense, probe when you need to probe, pass when you need to pass, and make smart decisions because if they don't, they could definitely be in the danger zone against Tulsa. Well, Christian, here's an interesting stat from Kempom that I've never paid attention to, and it just makes me curious, like, what does this really measure? Because um, I've never seen it. And it was one of the things that really stood out whenever I started looking at their numerics uh, earlier in the week. But Kempom measures a thing called non-steal turnover percentage. So it's the percentage of turnover. Uh, pos- you know, yeah, percentage of possessions in which you create a turnover but it's not a steal it's basically an unforced turnover for the other team Tulsa is actually 11th in the country forcing a turnover in those situations on 11.2 percent of their possessions so how they're doing that I don't know because uh, they don't necessarily defend the two-point shot very well they're you know 150th overall in the country they're seventh overall in the American. and But here's one thing they do well. They are first overall in the league in three-point percentage defense. So Memphis has got to abandon this idea that they've got to come out and shoot hot from three. They've got to start with guys like Precious in the paint. They've got to get guys going to the bucket, finishing at the rim, because Tulsa does not defend that shot very well. They don't block a lot of shots at all. Um, they're not necessarily a great, uh, you know, defensive team overall, but somehow, somehow they create a lot of turnover. So it's going to be interesting to, to see this matchup play out. I think Memphis does have strengths that outweigh, uh, Tulsa's and overall, if Memphis can handle those two things, defense and rebounding, they're going to be fine. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there. 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All right, Christian. So moving on to our Q&A thread uh, session. We've got a lot of questions. I mean, there were two pages of questions from users. So here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to throw a question to you. You can answer it. Then you throw a question to me. I'll answer it. And then a, a vast majority of these, if you read them, the answers, you know, unfortunately for those who are not VIP members, the answers are just going to have to be VIP. So we're going to do a separate VIP podcast for the users that ask questions that are just going to require that. So Christian, to start out, Tiger Chaz asked, could Isaiah Stokes be a starter next season? Well, I think honestly the the biggest factor here really depends on what they get in the 2020 class uh, because Malcolm Dandridge has, has obviously shown that he's going to have minutes at the five uh, for the next couple of years and a lot of minutes at the five for the next couple of years with with what he's done in a short amount of time uh, so if Memphis does get a high level four which is mainly what Isaiah is going to play uh, then I I don't think Isaiah Stokes would be a starter next year uh, on the flip side of that uh, if they end up striking out and don't get a high level four and and they're really you know they're going to lose Precious they lose Isaiah Maurice uh, then it then it could be a possibility but I, I think Best bet as of right now, I, I don't see Isaiah Stokes being a starter next year. Uh, I still think he has some work to do when you look at, especially what he did at Florida, uh, was never a high-volume guy with a ton of minutes. So I think it would be difficult to kind of ask him to come in immediately and be a starter. I mean, it could be one of those things where you get him worked in next year, and then if you don't have much else in the front court, that he could be a starter. So obviously a lot of factors there, but as of right now, my best bet is no, that he will not be a starter next year. Um, Brooks for you, Tiger Chaz also asked, how do we cut down on turnovers? Man, if I knew the answer to that question, I would be making a million plus dollars a year. I think, uh, you know, I think that there's obviously just some really boneheaded mistakes that are being made and you really, the old adage, I'm not calling any players stupid. So don't, don't put those words in my mouth, mouth, but you can't fix stupid, um, in those particular moments when you just throw the ball out of bounds and it's unforced and uh, that's just a stupid play and you can't fix that. There's nothing in that moment that you can do to change what would have happened other than to say, you know, but just pound it in each individual player's head, value the ball, value the ball, value the ball. Um, and at some point, it, you almost wonder if it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy, like we just we just don't take care of the ball, so they go in and turn the ball over 17 times. You know, I, I just don't know how you fix it at this point. Um, and I think if I did know that answer, I would be making a lot more money than I already make. Christian, do you, do you have any theories on that? Because it's a great question. It's just not an easy answer. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a ton of things that go into that. Like you said, a lot of them are unforced turnovers, which you really, you really can't fix that. So I, you, you know, you talk about kind of drilling, drilling it into their heads, 
And I think that's really it. It's discipline. Uh, it's just being disciplined with your eyes, especially for the guards in the backcourt. Uh, be disciplined. Uh, don't try to make that home run pass every time like Penny was talking about with Damian Ball. Uh, that's it, it might not always be pretty to make a, a you know a five foot swing pass on the perimeter uh, but but the majority of the time if that's the right pass then that's the right pass you don't have to hit a home run with every with every pass that you make because yeah, that's just not how basketball works uh, so I think that's the biggest thing is just discipline uh, they have a young team a lot of young guys and and when you when you have that much youth they tend to want to make a big play every time they touch the ball so it's really just it's really just discipline, uh, kind of being true to the game of basketball, making making simple passes when you have to, and and when you can make a big home run uh, pass like Damian Ball did in that Cincinnati game with the the no look lefty pass, make that pass. But you don't have to do that on every possession. And I think that's that's really the the biggest thing at this point. Yeah, it's like Harrison Ingram said. You know, he studies from Le- LeBron. You just make the right play at the right time. So the next question, Chris2121 said, uh, this question is for Brooks and Christian. What's you guys' favorite all-time moment in Tiger history? Man. Ooh, uh, um, that's, that's tough. You're going you're gonna to have a lot more to choose from than me, obviously. Um, but I think I'm going to go with the, uh, the national championship run, the UCLA game. Uh, I know that's not a singular mo- – like that's not one play – I mean, obviously, you could go with the dunk from CDR in that game, but I think just that game as a whole, uh, I remember my whole family being over at the house. That was, what, 2008, so I was 10, 9 or 10 years old. Um, and I just remember everybody being over here watching them play against that UCLA team and, and end up winning that game uh, to go to the that – was, that was to go to the national championship, correct? That was the Final Four game? Yep. I believe, yeah. So, that for me, that was that was my favorite moment, obviously, growing up in Memphis everyone's a Memphis Tiger basketball fan especially when they're that good so for me that UCLA game was incredible I wish the favorite moment could be the national championship game and it was up until the last couple seconds uh but for me I'm gonna go with UCLA what you got so I'm I'm gonna steal one from you here I feel like you gave one away I'm actually switching to football and I'm going with the Cotton Bowl um, oh yeah, that's a good one, <laughs> man. That I just I cannot get over how just otherworldly that whole experience felt. It just felt surreal, and just overall, it felt like just there's no way in the world that I could have ever imagined that being a moment where I'm there and Memphis is there, Memphis football is there, and so it was just it it can't be taught. You know, the only way that from a coverage perspective, from historically my involvement in covering Memphis and, and knowing the program the way I do, the only way that that gets topped is if Memphis basketball makes a run, you know, another run to the championship game or, or wins a championship. I think overall that's going to stay at the top for a while for me. So who would have thunk it? The basketball guy picked a football moment and the football guy picked right. a basketball moment. <laughs> Uh, I think we got a couple more on here. This one's from USAF Tiger. Uh, what is your over/under on win total for 2020 football with the current state of the league? Ooh. That's a good one. Man, you gonna throw that question to me? Yeah, I'm throwing it to you. I'm gonna answer it too, but I, I want to hear yours first. Oh, let me look at the schedule. <laughs> no, no schedule looking. You just gotta, you just gotta go off of it. No oh, research man. here. Well, I'm just going to, from the hip, I'm just going to call it. Okay, so Arkansas State, that's a win. One. Purdue, that's a win. Win. Yeah, they were terrible last year. 
UTSA, that's a win. UT Martin, that's a win. At Cincy, that's going to be tough. That's going to be their first big-time game. They're going to go in rested. Um, Probably going to be a hostile environment. I would imagine Cincinnati yeah, fans I mean, aren't very <laughs> fond of Memphis Especially right with the way that the season ended. So, I'm going to – you know what? I'm going to go optimistic here. And, yeah, I think we'll know more based upon late signing period, um, you know, how how we see things play out in spring practice. But right now I'm going to call that a win. Uh, Houston appears to be a complete and utter mess still and even headed into next year. So I'm going to go win there. That's six. Uh, Temple is a home game. So I'm going to go uh, – that's a win. Seven. Revenge tour. That's revenge. revenge. Yep. USF, that's a home game. Win. Navy, that is the game. That is the game right there on the road later in the season. Uh, so let's see. I'm going to I'm going to say they win out after that at to at Tulane at SMU uh UCF at home. Um so that at a minimum puts them at 11 wins for the regular season with a chance to play for the American Championship. So so you have the only loss coming to uh Navy on the road. I'm going to say a coin flip on that Navy game depending upon how their spring shakes out. So you've got a a chance for a perfect season. So that's that's encouraging. <laughs> that's encouraging. Yeah, yeah. I would set I would set the over under for wins at 10 or 10 and a half uh just because like you mentioned there's a couple of toss up games in there. I think Cincinnati on the road is going to be tough. Uh UCF was a little bit down this year but they're going to be more experienced next year so that's that's tough even at home and that Navy game. So I think those are your three really losable games. I, I don't really see them losing any of those other games. Even I know some people may point to Tulane on the road, but I think we saw what Memphis can do to Tulane uh, this past season. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I think 10, 10 and a half is, is the over under for the win total. I mean, I could, I could definitely see 10 and two, 11 and one. And if they get really lucky and roll the dice, they could go undefeated. But obviously, regardless of, you know, if they win 10, 11, 12 games, however many, uh, it's it's definitely looking up for that football program to be able to say that they are at 10 wins over under, you know, before the season even starts. I mean, here's my question for Navy. Who steps in for Malcolm Perry? You know, it's a system. That's the thing. It's, it, it's above any quarterback, but he's really freaking good. And, you know, I just uh, Perry Olson. He's a freshman. He did not get hardly any snaps this year. Um, yeah, I think he only threw maybe. He, I think he threw less than ten passes all season. So, like, who who steps in for him? And so it's it's I'm giving it a toss up based upon it being a system that has typically given Memphis problems. But so I'm gonna say my over under is eleven games. Because if you're winning, if you're winning eleven games, and and you're really saying, Cincy, Navy, and maybe UCF are your toss-up games, I'm gonna if I've got to flip a coin on all of those, I'm gonna say they win Cincy, and Navy. Maybe the UCF is the most highly probable loss of those three. So if you're winning eleven finally, games, I think they finally get that. I think they finally beat UCF. Yeah. So you you, you say that. 
out of those three, they lose one. That's 11 wins. And then if you're at 11 wins, you're playing for the conference championship game, you know, theoretically. I mean, I, I, I guess there's always a scenario where you could have a dark horse, um, you know, on the other side of the league where you've, you've got – or you know, maybe somebody in the same division where you've got somebody tied and they get the tiebreaker because they beat you. I don't know, but – more than likely, at 11-1, and one, Memphis would be playing for that game with a chance to win number 12 and then a bowl game. So I think at a minimum, I'm going to say 11 wins. Not putting any kind of high expectations on Ryan Silverfield at all from the bat. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. And you could have a, this literally the same exact situation. If you play UCF that week, that last game of the season, and those are both your – east and west conference champions or division champions could have to play ucf back-to-back weeks like you did cincinnati this year so obviously we're projecting way far out but definitely interesting to go ahead and start looking at some of those things even at this point uh in the year all right the last non-vip question we're taking is from usaf tiger again when will this podcast be out and for Thank you, Jesus. It will be out either today or tomorrow, Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. So be on the lookout. Uh, We're going to jump off of here, record the VIP podcast, and have it out the same day. Christian, you got anything else? I'm all good. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 